You're listening to the awesome Podcast Network. Been through a lot more than that to get here today to be with you, our loyal listeners, who on the latest and greatest blast of the past of 80s Revisited. I, of course, am your host, Trey Bono Harris. With me, as always, Jesse the Edge Sedgley. Yes, I am. And this week, no particular movie. We're continuing our series, if you will, of my top 10 films of each year of the 80s. And this is 1987. Uh, and I will say this, 80s, you know, again, we talked about it before, 86, huge year. When we actually did it on the last one of these, confirm that big year. 87 might be bigger. Oh. I, I, just going through them like, holy shit. Like everyone, like, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit. <laughs> like, All the hits. Yeah, real, like it, eight, 87 learned from 86. And mm. instead of having half of a year of great things, had some pretty consistent stuff through most of it, but we'll get well, Bono just randomly kissing a stranger. I've never <laughs> seen this video, or I don't remember this video at all. Uh, but anyway, yeah, as, as we t- tend to do, we like to go over the music and everything of the year. And uh, number 10 in the top 10, because everybody loves the top 10 list on the internet. Uh, <laughs> That's true. August 14th, you'd be listening to, I still haven't found what I'm looking for, off the Joshua Tree album. One of the greatest albums, if not the greatest album of the 80s, uh, as well as one of the best concerts I went to oh. last year. Twice. Twice. <laughs> yep, so Bonafide <laughs> fanboy. going. Like, it shows, like, their info oh, yeah. here. Well, they got they released their new album as well. So uh, they're they're still touring, but now so it's not the Joshua Tree tour. It's I gotcha. in support of songs of experience, I think, which is a very solid album, by the way. But anyway, August 14th, 1987, you'd be going to the theater to see my number 10 film, which would be one covered on the podcast. Actually, let me do a quick scan. Uh, every single one of these has been covered on the podcast. I think we had the same situation for 86. Uh, but anyway, The Monster Squad. Still uh, a very influential film to this day, I would say. Look at Stranger Things. Uh, but saw some recently that was very similar. Uh, Ready Player One, in a, in right. a sense, with, you know, with the young kids fighting the world ending evil, so to speak, that same, you know, that trope, which you don't see too much anymore. Uh, super eight was something fairly recent too. uh, say fairly recent. Well, that must've been what, 10 years ago, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> that was kinda. a long time ago. Uh, you know, with the foul mouth kids, but foul mouth, relatable, saving the world. Uh, and again, of course, stranger things, which takes place in the eighties, completely captured that vibe. Oh, seven years with seven super eight. Not too bad. But yeah, speaking of Spielberg, his influence, Produced, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, influence all over that film, rightfully so. Uh, I mean, you talk about the guy that created ET, and uh, yeah, Monster Squad still, and to tie it into last week's episode, Frankenstein's monster, the heart and soul of the Monster Squad film, was uh, the villain, the Tooth Fairy, and the original Manhunter, the original version of Red Dragon, I guess I should say. Which, if you didn't catch last week's episode, because of our long hiatus, and this is the first one you're seeing, be sure to check that one out. Because as of now. Knocking on wood, we're back on schedule. <laughs> so we'll see how long we can keep it up. Yeah. I do have a baby due in a few weeks, in about a month, so we'll see. But we're going to do our best to keep the content rolling. Mm. But uh, yeah, moving on up the countdown, as Casey Kasem would say in the 80s. Uh, number nine, this would be uh, a few months before The Monster Squad. May 22nd, a big summer release. Big blockbuster. Probably not all over the world, but... <laughs> In my little corner of America, it, it probably did pretty well, if, I, if you could pull the exact demographics. But you'd be going to the theater listening to... Wait, 
is this a mistake? No. Another <laughs> single from the Joshua Tree, the greatest album of the 80s, uh, With or Without You, and one of the best absolute... If, I, if, I, if you put a gun to my head and had me to pick like the 10 like best songs ever written like i can't do that unless like all right you know it, that, that is a <laughs> hard thing to, to do head. yeah literally like so, no, not please do not come put a gun to my head in this day and age because <laughs> that's the next thing it's i mean youtube's been invaded not making right. light of that but i mean it's getting worse every day so it, this is all in uh happens not happenstance was Today at uh, 80s Revisited <laughs> Headquarters. Studios. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm asked the assailant, put a gun to the host's head to name his top 10 songs of all time. But no, seriously. America Speaks. One. What the hell is 80s Revisited? <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently, Jesse, looking at iTunes, it's now the number one podcast in America. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Publicity stunt or Maybe? actual domestic terrorism? <laughs> you decide. But anyway, uh, yeah, this would for sure. For sure, you know, not not putting a gun to my head, but actually having to sit down and think really hard of the my personal top ten greatest songs ever written. This for sure, absolutely for sure, would be one. With or without you, of course. Uh, track three on the Josh Tree album after the previous mentioned song. Uh, but yeah, I would have gone to the theater this day to see a very important film and a very special film to me. The in, as in the comic world, you would say intro and first appearance of Ernest P. Worrell. And Ernest Goes to Camp Still I fucking love this movie You can't live with or without him I can't (laughs) And now Actually I can live with him I mean without him Because Jim Varney has passed away Right right There's no There's no alternative Well I don't know his religious beliefs So I'd have to go practice them For a little bit Before I you know Die so then I would live I could do the other half of it I guess His impression is in this movie For all of eternity (laughs) There you go Exactly I mean Ernest Goes to Camp Still Such It's Ernest is, is, is he's again we've talked about it on the two Ernest films I believe we covered Saves Christmas and of course Goes to Camp it's very regional character for the most part although I mean for a brief shining moment he was all over the place you know he he went from a commercial a regionalized commercial for milk and electricity and random stuff to becoming a for a brief period a nationwide figure uh, bar none and Ernest Goes to Camp is still just a great entertaining movie jim varney the character ernest especially in this one he's, he's such you know he's he's a one man three stooges uh he's got the elasticity in his face of and the uh, enunciation of curly he takes the hits like uh larry and he has the, the false bravado much like into a jack burton but way more goofier to the extreme of uh a mo howard and it, and the damn song that he sings in that film still brings <laughs> a tear to my eye every time it rains. That, that crosses my mind. Yeah. Now, not to be sentimental or, or silly, but uh, when my last dog passed away, uh, we were driving back from the vet at, with you know to go bury her in the backyard, and uh, just my phone was just on playing, and it started to rain, and then this song came on, and I fucking cried like a little girl. The entire way home, like, uh, you know, I mean, we've all lost pets. I mean, most people have, I should say. It's, it's, it, they are family members, and like, this was like, this was like God saying it'll be all right, but you're gonna cry your eyes out for the next two minutes. So, yeah, that's my Ernest Goes to Camp story to tie it into the modern world, at least recent history. But yeah, Jim Varney gone way too soon because with all these '80s reboots, it's time for like, you know. Ernest goes to the White House or something. Ernest goes to Washington. <laughs> Mr. Worrell goes to Washington. Or Ernest goes to space or something. I wouldn't, pass, wouldn't put it past him to recast that. Actually, 
I guess in this day and age, it would be Ernest gets superpowers, so superhero Ernest or something right, would be the, right. the current one. You know, unfortunately, they didn't make enough to where it'd be like, like Abbott and Costello to where Ernest meets the Avengers or <laughs> Ernest meets so-and-so. Because uh, the Ernest movies were made by Touchstone, which is a subsidiary of Disney. So technically, Ernest was a Disney character, <laughs> loosely. But uh, yeah, moving on up, as the Jeffersons did, to our number eight film. This one was released a, couple, uh, a month later, right around a month later, on June 26th. 1987. You'd be driving to the theater with your lady in your arm, or maybe not, based on this song. Maybe you're going (laughs) to the theater alone, and listening to Hearts alone. Uh, Love Heart, great band, still good today. Like uh, if you hear them live, they still do a lot of. They're kind of the. They're one of those bands that now does do the uh, casino tours. Right, type yeah. thing. <laughs> that's true. You know, uh, a lot of great acts do that. I'm not knocking that, but that's kind of where they're at. Yeah. And uh, if you see, they, I mean, they still fucking rock today. And both gorgeous. God, I had such a crush on them in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And then, and just good. Like, heart, like, if you don't like heart, like, you need to go check their catalog out because heart's yeah. really fucking good. You need to sing at karaoke. No shit. <laughs> a lot of great stuff. And like but great musicians as well. Not just not just pretty faces. Like they had they were the whole package. They were like the Bon Jovi of like the female version the actual female version of Bon Jovi. Like they could play music, they could sing, they could write, they, the whole package. And just God gorgeous. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely gorgeous back in the day. Until I saw the Bengals, and I was like, oh, oh heart got pushed away <laughs> in terms of my young self, like, waiting for that Walk Like an Egyptian video to come on. <laughs> but anyway, we be going to the theater to see Spaceballs, the Mel Brooks mm-hmm. classic. Still still have both my f- fingers crossed on both. Actually, I have, Jesse's witnessing it, I have four fingers, <laughs> eight fingers crossed, creating four fingers there being crossed. Actually, do the, thumbs too. <laughs> do the thumbs, too. Do the thumbs, too. You know, still waiting for the space balls, the sequel, the search for more money. And there were like some rumors rumbling a little while back because Star Wars was obviously, obviously is back and bigger yeah. than it's ever been. Mel Brooks was saying, oh, maybe it is time. Like, yeah, because uh, <laughs> looking at the clock here, you, ins- you know, you ain't got much time left. Like, Mel. I'm still young. I wish you I wish you another hundred years. I wish you uh, all the life in the world. But, you know, space, this is the time you still got Bill Pullman. Uh, you don't have John Candy, so you can have son of uh, Barf. Uh, you don't have Joan Rivers, but I mean, she was a robot, so you can get an impersonator or whatever, you know, still, still hoping for a Spaceball sequel. But yeah, still, it's hard. It's hard. Mel Brooks has such a great catalog of absolute amazing films that it's really hard to pick a favorite. But again, hypothetical, that's the word I was looking for. A hypothetical gun to my head. I'd pick Spaceballs simply because I love sci- sci-fi is my favorite genre. Uh, one of my favorite genres for sure, and uh, Spaceballs yeah. is parodying comedy, the sci-fi. greatest sci-fi series of all time, as in Star Wars. So, and and it does it well. People still, anytime somebody you know, any, you go to the beach with anybody in our age group, somebody's gonna make a combing the desert joke, or they're gonna say <laughs> we ain't found shit. Yeah, it's going to happen. It's it, it's one of those films uh, that's still. And I mean, Rick Moranis. I mean. St- Shame he's not acting because he was great. He still is great. I mean, I, I assume he is. You're still great, Rick, in my book. Put it that way. He's a great father. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he did something that most actors would never do. And he, I mean, he was maybe not at the, you know, he was maybe on the, his, he'd went over the peak and was maybe starting to kind of come down with, you know, Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves and stuff like that. But I mean, 
Moranis was in everything for a while there in the 80s. So, and, and, and good, he was, he was great in those roles. And one of the, the greatest ones that he did, if not his best one, Dark Helmet and Spaceball. So great that our own established esteemed producer was Dark Helmet for Halloween in a fantastic costume, I might add. One funniest that year. <laughs> Still Absolutely. have it. Absolutely fantastic costume. Next time there's an 80s, nights at the, 80s, 80s night at the Spanish Moon, you need to just show up. Show up as that. Keep playing music, assholes. <laughs> just go with it. Because you know, they do the costume contest there every year. That's true. I mean, but that again, means I have to go to the Spanish Moon. Yeah, yeah that, that, that's what I was about to say. In that costume with that big helmet. Yeah. In that tiny, tiny little venue. <laughs> but yeah, Spaceballs number eight. Uh, again, like I said, these are some great movies already. And we're not even halfway yet. Yeah. I'm telling you, 87, huge, huge. Huge. Uh, moving on up to number seven in 87. Uh, Monster Squad, technically not horror. I mean, it's horror comedy. You know, you could put it loosely in that genre. I would argue with you over it. But a, a true one of the true 80s franchise horror movies, and arguably the best one in the series, uh, February 20th, 1987. You'd be rocking out to my probably, honestly, favorite Bon Jovi song, right. Living on a Prayer. This song, me and my brother would play Need for Speed 3, Hot Pursuit on PlayStation. <laughs> listening to this song on repeat because it, it, this was our like racing like head to head song like when we wanted to be competitive we'd put this song on and just race until we got tired <laughs> and one of the greatest you know you know we didn't have nowadays in a game you can record all the crazy shit that happens yeah you know which is great yeah but back in the you know there's so much stuff that you can never see you can only tell tales of we play Never Street Hopper Suit third lap of the city map I don't remember the name but I mean it's down to the wire I mean, I, the finish line is in view, and then you know it's split screen. There was no console link for that game. All right. And then my brother hit the ramp, and then the finish line, and then I see the tip of his car coming across it, coming across mine, and then all of a sudden phew, flies backwards. He hit the light pole. <laughs> he hit the pole at the finish line, like as the song's reaching its crescendo. It was one oh, of those. Wow. We're both of us. Like he wasn't angry. I was. I wasn't. Happy that I won. I was. We were happy that that happened. Like we went. Like we were like, oh my god! The greatest Need for Speed moment in our household was that. But yeah, uh, you'd be rocking out to Bon Jovi, and uh, I imagine this. This had to be probably the first single off. Was it New Jersey or Slippery When Wet? I don't know. I'm not. I'm not a uh, Bon Jovi scholar as I am you two. Slippery Slippery When Wet. wet. So yeah, this is Bon Jovi's like big, big album. And of course, this is the uh, the first single off of it. I'm pretty sure, uh, but great song. And speaking of karaoke, this is usually one that you will hear wherever <laughs> yeah. you go, because everybody That's likes true. to go. That's the part the bar joins yep. in on that everybody knows. So yeah, but you'd be going to the theater to see Nightmare on Elm Street Three: The Dream Warriors. <laughs> uh, like this is again we talked about it when we covered it on the podcast, because uh, this is the one where Freddy becomes. His own. This is where he becomes the Freddy that we know and love. In part one, he's terrifying. He's hor- He's horrific. You're scared to death of him. Part two, let's not talk about part two just yet, because that was, you know, not the best sequel <laughs> by any stretch. But then part three comes along. Wes Craven comes back, and you got Nightmare on Elm Street 3, The Dream Warriors, full expanding the mythology. You have Freddy joking. You have some horrific kills. You have the puppet kill. You have welcome to prime time, bitch. You mm-hmm. have all the great Freddy lines, uh, most of the great Freddy lines, great practical effects, et cetera, et cetera, for, again, 
if anybody, this is one, you know, I go back and forth with the Nightmare series, like which one really is my favorite? I mean, the first one is so iconic. It's so original. But I mean, three is the one that made Freddy Krueger a household name for sure. Uh, and truly one of the great uh, horror sequels by far. Actually, go back, Jesse. I'm just, I, th- I might have misspoke. It looks like You Give Love a Bad Name was actually the first single off Slippery When Wet. Ah, uh, okay. Double check me, click on it to make sure it's off the same album. Oh, this one? Just, to be, just so I don't give the wrong information twice. <laughs> just got to be sure. Singles, You Give Love a Bad okay, Name. Okay, yeah. Living on a Prayer was the second single yep. off of uh, Slippery When Wet. Yeah, you Living go- on a Prayer was released October 31st. Ooh, spooky. Nothing Halloween-y about it, but... 1986, though. Oh. The year before, and didn't hit number one until February. Mm. Well, that's the rise of Bon Jovi. That it is. There you go. see what you did there. A little slow on the draw. Sorry about that. Speaking of being Mm. slow on the draw, and then also not being slow on the draw, the next film would be, let's see, number six, March 6th, 1987. Would it still be living on a prayer? It would be. <laughs> it would still be. Wow. Okay. From favorite, oh yeah, that's only a couple weeks. Yeah. So yeah, makes sense. So you'd still be rocking out to Bon Jovi, <laughs> but you'd be going to see one of the greatest action films of the '80s. Definitely in the in the top ten action films of the '80s, as well as the first installment of a hopefully possibly quintilogy quintology soon. <laughs> but until then, it's just a quadrilogy. 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 Excuse me. Thank you. Uh, and I know that word because of the Alien box set that I have, because it just ah. has Alien 1 through 4. No need for any of the other, no, no need for Covenant. Keep that shit away. Mm. But uh, yeah, you'd be going to see the first installment of the Lethal Weapon franchise. Still a great, great Christmas movie and a great film of Mel Gibson's Before the Fall. Uh, <laughs> but speaking of Lethal Weapon, me and Autumn went out. To, uh, she's pregnant, obviously, as most listeners know. And uh, she was craving onion rings. She had to have onion rings. This is the first time, like, it was one of those, like, I have to have this tonight. We're going, like, you have to take me to get onion rings because I fucking want onion rings and nothing else. So we go to Brewbrockers, local place. I'm not sure if that's a nationwide chain or not. I love Brewbrockers. Good. (laughs) Good for you, Damagoo. To quote the late. But anyway, uh, and on the TV there is the television show Lethal Weapon, which I heard about, but I've seen nothing of. Zero of. I knew Damon Wayans was in it. Like, oh, okay. He's Murtaugh, obviously. Right, right. And I'm watching this show. It's it's on silent, like uh, mute, I should say, not silent. And uh, when they show the dude that plays Riggs and his whole look, I just stopped eating him because my mouth went agape how stupid he looks. <laughs> now, uh... I was just like, what is it? Like, I'm like, I'm, I'm watching, like, I'm thinking to myself, this cannot be Riggs in this TV show. He looks like a hipster waiter at a whiskey bar. <laughs> That's a good like, way to describe him. He looked like this... <laughs> It's called Lethal Weapon because Riggs is an unstable lethal weapon. Like, that's right. the entire point and genesis and point of the name of the show. I can see Damon Wayans in his old age being that Murtaugh character. Absolutely. Makes sense to me. This dude does not feel the, feel the sneakers of <laughs> Martin Riggs. I mean, now, I think this is his breakout, really. I think he so. he wasn't in much. I think so as well, because I was reading the, like, the, on IMDb, it has a higher score, the TV show. I think it has an 8.4. 8.1. 8.1, okay. And what does the first movie have? Like a 7, or is it in the 8s? What's that? What does the first Lethal Weapon movie have? Because I know it has the highest oh. IMDb rating. It might be right below might that. I have to. Uh, but I think, let me before I misspeak again. 7.6. Yeah. The TV show has a higher rating yeah. than the movie. 
so I'll, I'll read some of the like little lines like give it a shot it captures the 80s I have not watched it like actually sat down and watched it but just watching it on mute I was like this is some fucking stupid like what is this what is this so if you actually watch Old the show Old Man Trey has <laughs> well it's, it's not so much that it's just like okay yeah. let's make Lethal Weapon and it looks nothing like it like this could be any show of course any show yeah, yeah. any buddy cop show ever but they call I mean, it Lethal Weapon Hawaii Five-0 is a show <laughs> you know yeah. MacGyver's back, back kind of or I guess it's not probably got cancelled Probably. 5.1, yeah. Yeah, 5.1 probably got canceled. <laughs> but, uh, but this show is like the Lethal Weapon TV show. You know, obviously, it proves people are like maybe tuned in for the name, and then maybe the show really is good. I don't know. I haven't watched it. Yeah. So let me know. Any of our dedicated listeners who I trust, drop me a line. Let me know if it's if Trey, you should check it out. It's actually really good. Or like, no, you're right. I don't know why people are crazy and like giving this show such great reviews. Yeah. But yeah, like just seeing the guy playing Riggs, like, no, it's a no from it's a no for me, dog. Matt uh, edited one of his movies. Tinker, Matt is a good friend of ours, a colleague friend. of ours. Um, but yeah, he's the one that told me about Riggs in that show. He's like, "Oh, that guy's finally got his break going on the Lethal Weapon." Mm. Again, I don't, I, I haven't given him a fair shake. I'm, perp, uh, you know, I'm upfront about that. <laughs> but just seeing, like, this is your cast. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. That is what who you, what you think Riggs looks like today? Like that? Like, uh, no, 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 no. But anyway, I digress. Lethal Weapon number six. Still one of the greatest buddy cop films of all time. <laughs> one of the greatest action films of all time, for sure. Uh, I mean, it obviously spawned three sequels. Hopefully a fifth one, if they can actually get it off the ground. Everybody's apparently on board for it. And then, apparently, a TV show that's better than any of the movies. But I can confer- cannot confirm that yeah. <laughs> one bit. So let's move on to number five. A week later, is Bon Jovi still rocking the charts? <laughs> well... Only a day later. Let's go with that. Just to, just to mix it up a bit. The song. Which I don't even recognize. I don't know. Like, I saw Huey Lewis like, oh, maybe Power of Love or Hip nope. to Be Square. Nope. The song is Jacob's Ladder by Huey Lewis and the News. I honestly don't think I've, like you, I've ever heard this. Yeah. No. Let's get to like the chorus, maybe, just, just to see. Root. I mean, it definitely sounds like a Huey Lewis song, but sure. it doesn't ring a bell. Okay, whatever. But anyway, you're going to see something that would stick with you for a very long time. And speaking of franchises that spawn television shows, this one spawned one of the best. Uh, you'll be going to see Evil Dead 2. Yeah. Uh... It's so hard for me to pick between that Army Dark is my favorite in that franchise, but like either one, I got flip flop back and forth. They're both so great. And I haven't started watching that TV show. It's so good. Mm. Um, there's just things that, <laughs> that you never thought in your wildest imaginations that you would see, like, on screen, and you see it in that show. <laughs> like, just in, in, in terms of horror-like things. Like, you know, all these, there's a scene in a morgue in season two that I'm just like, no, this can't be happening. This is, I'm not witnessing this happening on television, like on, like on my television right now. This is right. insane. It's like South Park uh, moments. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a live action South Park yeah. in terms of just like, what the hell is happening here? <laughs> it is crazy what happens in that show. And it's on season three. They're talking like it's probably not going to be a season four because nobody's watching it. And like they want to say, because, oh, it's piracy. No, it's not. It's because it's on fucking stars. Mm. Nobody gives a shit about stars. <laughs> That should need Netflix. You need to pick up Ash versus Evil Dead for season right. four. 
It's a great, it's 30 minute episodes. Wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Every episode, boom, boom, boom. It's classic Ash. The ancillary characters are great. There was a shocker this last week's, or yeah, last week's episode. Uh, I mean, Lucy Lawless is the villain, is, you know, quote unquote, the villain. I mean, it's great. It's, it's everything that made Evil Dead good in a television show. And it does not pull any punches with the gore or anything. And the great thing is a lot of it's fucking practical. So it's mm. beautiful. Mm. No, no, there's CG in it, but I mean, when they can't, if they can do it practical, it really seems they go all out to do it practical. A lot of great, great makeup work in that TV show. Uh, but yeah, Evil Dead 2, number five. So much like John Bon Jovi has said twice, technically three <laughs> times on the countdown, we're halfway there. All right. <laughs> uh, number four would be November 13th. Uh, and strangely enough, two, thir- two Friday the 13th in uh, 1987. And it's worth noting that there was no Friday the 13th in 1987. In fact, there were only two years in the 80s that did not have a Friday the 13th film. 87 was one, the other one, 1983. But you'll be listening to a great, one of the greatest 80s songs, in my opinion, of all time, as you're going to the theater. Yes, the lovely, lovely Tiffany singing in malls across the United States in the <laughs> 80s. I think we're alone now, which there's a great cover of this song in uh, 13 Cloverfield Lane. I can't remember if 13 is the address or not. Whatever whatever Cloverfield Lane. Yeah. There's a cover in the trailer Ten. of this song. 10 Cloverfield Lane. That's it. Thank you. That's a great kind of slow down kind of band yeah. version. It's really good. Original is great as well. Don't get me wrong. Love this song. But you'd be running as fast. Actually, that's even more appropriate. This was number one on the Billboard charts because you'd be going to see. Speaking of getting to getaway, you'd be going to see the Running Man. Exactly. So it fits. This could have been the soundtrack, the title song for the Running Man, practically. Because you know, and then him and the girl get alone at certain parts. It'd be great. In fact, you could recut the trailer to this song really easily. Uh, But yeah, the Running Man number four, one of Arnold's best of the '80s for sure, and an underrated Arnold. Or Usually not one that comes up a lot in terms of his, like when you talk about his big hits, because it's always Terminator, Predator, etc. Those are usually always the first ones that come to people's minds. But The Running Man is still, to this day, covered on the podcast under our Stephen King, our, our uh, pre-Stephen King Halloween uh, Horror Month. Uh, fantastic book. And the movie, as we talked about in that episode of the podcast, again, so far ahead of its time in terms of like reality television and just the way the world goes mm. and still just a great Arnold movie with and that's and running man is often overlooked too. Cause it has some of the best Arnold quotes ever. That's absolutely. Absolutely. Some of his best. I mean, one of my all time favorite Arnold quotes is from that one where he's like, uh, I hope you didn't eat any breakfast because I'm going to take my fist and ran into your goddamn, or show it in your goddamn stomach, in your stomach and break your goddamn spine. <laughs> I butchered that quote, but uh, it's so like That is like epitome of like, that is like one of the, that is the definitive Arnold quote as far as I'm concerned. Like he's going to ram his fist into your stomach and break your spine. <laughs> that What's more Arnold than that? So great. So <laughs> fucking beautiful. Made famous by those fake phone calls back oh, yeah. in the day. <laughs> Good morning. That's Good every, morning. <laughs> I always think of those. Like, I'm Detective John Kimball. And I'd like to ask you a couple of questions. Oh, okay. Who is your daddy and what does he do? Who's this again? I'm Detective John Kimball. And it always has. Like, the first batch of those was so great. So perfect. <laughs> if, you, if you don't know, 
we're talking about like these have soundboards. They still do. You can easily yeah. find them on the internet. But people, you'd call prank call people and use the Arnold soundboard to, to, to basically reply to them. And people are like, what? Like they're going with it because there's pretty much an Arnold quote for any situation <laughs> as the yeah. Arnold prank 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 calls prank calls lead to. Yeah, here's a sample. And how may I help you? Hi, how are you? Not bad. How about yourself? Good. What's going on? Uh, well, just uh, taking some orders. So, would you like to order for pickup or delivery? Yes, I'm hungry. All right. So would that be delivery? Give me your address there. I'm sorry. Give me your address there. You'd like the address here, so you'd like to go for a pickup? Yeah. Okay. We're timing. Jeez. You want names and addresses? I'm sorry. What are we gonna do? Well, are you? No, they get a little carried away. They gotta yes, slow sorry. it down. Correct. Right. Sorry. What's the matter? Is this for a delivery? Yes. All right. Can I start with your phone number? 829-6868. Eight, 8396868? Yeah. All right. And your name? I'm Detective John <laughs> You know that one's coming at yeah, some point. That one's always yes. coming. Okay, and your address? 872 Conan. Conan. <laughs> yes. What's the street name? Conan. All right. Can you spell that? Negative. Negative. What, what you're saying? Why not? I haven't heard this one before. I haven't heard it. If I have, I've forgotten. It's great. Okay. I, was I, heard that, I was aiming for an older one. Now yeah. prank call. Come on. Don't bullshit me. What's your street name? The street name? Conan. Conan? <laughs> yes. Okay, we don't deliver to any Conan street here. Where are Why you not? calling from? Miami. Okay, yeah, this is a prank call. No deal. Because <laughs> <laughs> most of the old ones, like, it, it, people never, like, it goes through the whole thing. Like, people right. don't realize it's a prank call. Because it's usually the the kindergarten cop route. Like, I need right. who is your daddy? I need to ask you a few questions. I'm gonna I'm a cop, you idiot. I'm like, who is this again? I'm Detective John Kimball. I'm a cop. And they just like, <laughs> okay, who is your daddy? What does he do? Like, people just answer the questions, <laughs> and then just like, then they'll just end with one of the random quotes. But it's so good. So do yourself a favor and go yeah, down the rabbit hole on that. Yeah, there's a, there's plenty. We keep playing those all day. Okay, we're in the, we're in top <laughs> three territory now. Yeah. And we've already had some great ones. But the next one would be on October 9th. Let me see. Yep, October 9th, 1987. You'd be rocking out to... October 9th, you'd be playing the song. The late, great Whitney Houston, and I don't know this song either. Me neither. Not one of her big hits, to me at least. I was still listening to the Joshua Tree. It was on the charts for two weeks. And then it slipped down the drain. Oh, too soon. (laughs) Just like Lord, I'm going to get in trouble for making a Whitney Houston joke. (laughs) But anyway, you'd be going to the theater to see one of the greatest, sweetest, most romantic comedies of all time. Because it is a romantic comedy, if you want to break it down to the genre specific. Of course, starring the late, great Andre the Giant in his defining genre role as a giant <laughs> in The Princess Bride. Still absolutely, that this, like, still such a great movie on so many levels. Because it's a, it's a good movie for, you know, a couple it's a good movie for if you like action. You know, it's a bro movie because you got uh, Inigo Montoya and the Man in Black. Their whole little scene talking about like you know sword fighting. Like, so you got that relationship. You got uh, and then as you get older, you tend to relate more to uh, Miracle Max and his wife. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you tend to, yeah, and then uh, then of course you know the the bookends of the film. You got the grandchild grandfather relationship, which I mean you know speaking of fantastic last lines in a film, it's one of the best. Mm. As you wish. As you wish. And then right into the credit, beautiful Mark Knopfler storybook love song. Although he didn't sing it, he... Well, <laughs> maybe he did. I don't know. I don't remember now. I don't have it in front of me. But uh, anyway, yeah, Princess Bride still like... In a 
Shout out to the basic Facebook group, because I know some of them listen and we talk all the time on Facebook. Uh, but where was I going with this? Fuck. Totally forgot. Shout out. <laughs> it was a shout out, and then I completely <laughs> lost where I was going with it, with the Princess Bride. But uh, maybe it'll come back later. I don't know. If not, fuck it. <laughs> we, you know how it goes here on the podcast. Right. Yeah, totally went off the train, totally went off the track. But anyway, <laughs> not in the way in the 80s to where it means your flies down. I don't know if kids still use that these days. But number two, okay, Arnold had two of his biggest movies come out this year, two of his most iconic roles. And again, Running Man, top notch. But and if you have to, you know, in an Arnold movie countdown, you have to give the edge to this one because it's a little more iconic. And it came out June 12th, 1987. You'd be rocking out to Kim Wilde with You Keep Me Hanging On. Nowhere near as wide known as her real big hit, Kids in America. <laughs> but uh, maybe I've heard this. I don't know. Is it a remake of that uh, Supreme song? I don't even know. No clue. Yeah, it is. Okay, I, I have know. heard this. <laughs> I think my, actually, I think I might have heard this on Vice City or something. Mm. Or uh, a GTA game or something. I, I've heard this somewhere, for sure. But yeah, you'd be going to see Predator. And speaking of Predator, eagerly anticipating the new one coming out... Uh, Shane Black returning, who wrote the original, to uh, do the, uh, do the uh, write the new one. I think direct as well, so it should be pretty hmm. interesting because you're having a veteran of the franchise, or, I mean, the creator of the franchise basically coming back, uh, pulling double duty, and we're going to double check that right For now. For as old as this guy is, he doesn't look very old. Yeah. Uh, I was looking for a director. Yep, directed. Excellent. In post-production, too. Ooh, I like that. Uh, never have seen that poster, and that's got to be just fan-created. Um, Photoshop brushes, maybe. <laughs> Who knows? I don't know. We'll see. But yeah, the original Predator. This speaking of stars earlier with Ash vs Evil Dead, because stars and Encore are like one of the same like owner, I guess, because you usually get them in package deals. The premium channel Encore used to be f- like free, or like it used to only be like a dollar a month, way back in the day in terms of premium channels. That was a killer deal. So we actually had Encore because it was so cheap. Yeah. But they would play the hell out of Predator. Mentioned on the podcast when we. Did that one, one of the earlier ones too, way back in the day, probably in the uh, before the before the twenties actually. But anyway, uh, I've seen in terms of Arnold movies, I've probably seen Predator the most simply because of Encore. You turn on Encore, you're either going to see Prince of the City or Predator is going to be on. Never fails. You, there was a time period where it w- like that's all they had, and I was totally fine with that because Predator is still so damn good, still one of the best action movies ever made, bar none. And one of Schwarzenegger's best characters, like, uh, this is one where he, you know, of course he has a couple of one-liners, but they're uh, more than a couple, excuse me. Uh, but it's not like in Running Man levels where, I mean, it's just like insane what he's saying. The character of Dutch and Predator is very, very much more grounded more so than, because he's playing, you believe that this character is going to be this big mm-hmm. in terms of physique and also just personality because he's leading an elite squad. And he's, he's very serious. You know, when he says, you an ugly motherfucker. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. it's, he means it. Like, it's not just like, you know, there's a humor in it, but it's not like, I'm going to take my fist and ram it into your stomach and break your goddamn spine. I mean, that, that's just like, that's like Alan Rickman scenery chewing levels right. of, from Prince <laughs> of Thieves, like with that line. But the w- one reason I really, really like Predator is even, yeah, yes, it's sci-fi. Uh, it's, it's just so, it's so gritty. Even till today, it's so it's still so realistic. I mean, these you know you have you know Mac goes off the deep end. You know uh, Dylan's like trying to be the CIA spook, so to speak. 
I guess I shouldn't use that term spook in that regard, but you know, that's what they call them. That is a valid, that's not a racial yeah. thing for that. Uh, although the choice of characters <laughs> is not appropriate. Uh, you know, you got Blaine, you got the, you got the, the, this is a bro movie. I mean, you know, it's, uh, there's only one female in it, almost like much like the thing. There's no females in the thing aside from Jamie Lee Curtis's voiceover. Uh, and this is an adrenaline testosterone filled romp in the jungle with some of the greatest actors of the eighties. And, uh, and again, and Carl Weathers. <laughs> <laughs> wow. No. Wow. No. That's, uh, the opinions of the producer are no, are not necessarily the uh, opinions of the other host. No. <laughs> I mean, Chubbs, man, come on, don't disrespect him. He, he's a Louisianian. Come on now. I was kidding. I know, of course. We love Carl Weathers. I like Carl Weathers a lot. Yeah, Apollo Creed himself. Yeah, Chubbs. I mean, he's got some. He's got a good. I like him as Carl Weathers in Arrested Development. Uh, yeah, not the great thing. You got yourself a stew, baby. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Predator number two. Now, what what could be better than Predator? There's one. There is one. And speaking of the number one, oh no, I talked about the sequel actually last episode, how, how, how good the sequel is in this day and age. And going back to July 17th for that era, Hart again, tearing up the charts mm-hmm. still. Because uh, what was it? Was it Spaceballs on the 26th? Was that? So uh, I think so. So Hart was killing it on the charts or it went it away was. and came back. No. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Pretty much that, that whole, uh, yeah, nice little. Uh, run there they had but anyway took over July so uh, anyway July 17th 1987 a beautiful day for cinema not just cinema for sci-fi fans for action fans for practical effects fans because you were great we were graced with the presence of Detective Alex Murphy aka Robocop my top pick for the best film, my favorite film 1987. It's hard, it was hard between that and Predator, to be perfectly honest. But uh, Robocop just, with the, you have the combination of the satire, it, what it's, you know, the, the uh, relevance, so to speak, of it and how ahead of its time it was. Uh, I mean, Robocop still, God, it's, it's still beautiful. Mm. It still holds up. Aside from some of the, not rear projection, but the, uh, the Ray Harryhausen type Ed 209 effects in a few scenes, which unfortunately it's the uh, it's more so the high definition transfer that you tend to watch these days that really kind of gives gives the uh, the cracks away in some of the practicality of some of the scenes. But Robocop still holds up, still amazing, still a good movie, still a disturbing movie in terms of the violence, uh, you know, and for not being a Schwarzenegger or Stallone movie, some amazing quotes. Hmm. Absolutely, some great lines that I use. I, I probably quote this movie on a daily basis in some form or fashion. Mm. Absolutely. And as I mentioned last week, if you haven't seen part two in a while, give it a check. Uh, check it out because I think it's much more relevant today and almost a little prophetic in a lot of the things. And uh, yeah, so uh, that's my pick for number one. It was a, again, it was a big year for action and horror. Uh, again, although you know, in terms of the horror genre, no Friday the Thirteenth, strangely absent that year. Uh, but of course, '88 we'd have. Uh, I think seven would come out in '88, or maybe it was, maybe it was Takes Manhattan. Anyway, we'll get to that one eventually. <laughs> both of those, I'm sure, because there is a Friday the 13th next week. Yeah. Which, actually, that I knew it was coming because we talked about that last night on in the theater. Uh, but uh, yeah, I need to. Uh, I guess we're on part four. 
So I know what I'm doing tonight. I've got to go watch <laughs> the final chapter uh, for next week. And that, I guess that'll spoil it for next week. We'll do fr- you know, uh, Friday the 13th Part 4, the final chapter. Supposedly. Uh, actually, I need to make sure we haven't done that one. I'm pretty sure. We just done one, through, one, two, and three. 99% sure of that. But I'll double check. Just be safe. <laughs> Don't want to repeat myself too much like I do in every episode anyway. But yeah, Robocop's my top pick. Let us know yours, 80srevisit.gmail.com or on Facebook, whatever, all that kind of fun stuff. But uh, speak, also speaking of Robocop, this, is a, this, this struck me as like hilarious. Uh, the other night we watched the Liam Neeson totally original film that he's never done, like unlike any movie he's ever done, oh. The Commuter. <sighs> taken on a train? Yeah. Uh, no, not taken. What was the one he did on a plane? Oh, it was it, it was literally that same plot except on a train, like almost beat for beat. I can't remember the name of that flight, not flight plan. Uh, it's bugging me now what the name of that movie was. Where he was on the plane. He's made so many movies recently, <laughs> and they're all this. Let's see, keep going. Nonstop. That's non-stop. it. Now, nonstop. I I I enjoy that movie until the last ten minutes. <laughs> like, oh, that's the dude. That's the guy. Uh, it was a good detective story. Like it was, you know, there were realistic things happening. You're like, okay, interesting, interesting, and then <laughs> pooped out at the end. Uh, but anyway, the connection to Robocop here is Patrick Wilson is in the commuter, and when they say his name, <laughs> I just started laughing. <laughs> he is a cop, and his name is Alex Murphy. <laughs> Nobody thought to maybe change it to Brian or right. Steve or just. Alex Murphy. You can't have a cop character in a movie and name him Alex Murphy. Alex Murphy. Now, imagine the, they did that as an homage, as an in-joke. Sure, whatever. Maybe, yeah. But yeah, if you've seen nonstop, The Commuter, it, again, Liam Neeson is put in a situation where only he has a unique set of skills to get in and out of. <laughs> and uh, I'm, I'm, immediately, it's like, okay, jump in the shark, jump in the shark, jump in the shark. But uh, Alina would always say, okay, if this comes together in the end, in a logical manner, this is going to be really good. And you got a fantastic cast. You got Neeson, you got Vera Farminga, you got Patrick Wilson, you got Sam Neill, Dr. Grant himself, uh, Mike from Breaking Bad. So you, you have all the pieces there, and like you're you're following. Okay, who is it? Okay, it's got to be one of these people. Okay, he's he's. In, but then it goes straight up. It goes straight up taken with like what's happening on the on the train and everything. <laughs> but this is, I mean, again with this talent, it, it's it's worth watching because it's it's fun. In like, you know, like, don't go rent it. Wait for it to come on TV. There's, you know, there's no oh, need wow. to see it without. Oh, there you go. From the director of nonstop <laughs> copying his own work. And oh, what did it say? The Shallows. God. <laughs> but yeah. But anyway, yeah. Alex Murphy, before he gets shot up, this is a, well, never mind. Watch the movie. <laughs> it leads into RoboCop, maybe. But yeah, watch there's that. Some unnecessary effects happening here, too. Oh, yeah. It's, there's. Just wait. It goes straight fast and the furious in the end. Oh. To where it's just like, okay, I'm done. Like, it, it has, there's a part in the end where I just busted out laughing because it was so absurd with the action sequence. But again, Neeson's always great. No matter, even when it's something as silly as this, he's just so good. He's just such a talented actor. Uh, you know, again, you have, you have some great pieces here to tell a good story, but let's, let's take a step back and tell a good story. There's a whole bunch of pointless exposition, all that kind of crap. So yeah, there's my uh, two-minute review of The Commuter. <laughs> if you like nonstop, <laughs> and, you, and you know what you're getting into, with, you're getting the same thing. You see it again. You're getting the same thing on a train with Neeson. That's where I laughed. They, oh, wow. They spoil it in the trailer, actually. How ridiculous <laughs> it gets. How absolutely ridiculous it gets. 
But yeah, if you're a Neeson fan, it's 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 more the same. I mean, he hasn't had a really good good movie since The Gray in terms of like you know that's a that's a fantastic film type situation in my yeah. opinion. Of course, haven't seen Silence though. I, I've it's been on my Amazon queue forever, but I haven't set aside the three hours to watch it. Uh, but I really really want really want to see Silence. Just haven't got to it yet. Uh, so mm. before we get to the worst films, let's do some little Back to the Future in real quick. Jesse, you last night saw Ready Player One. Yes, I did. And what did you think of it? We, haven't, we didn't talk about it before our pre-show, so I have no clue what you thought of it. I enjoyed it. I thought it was, uh, I mean, you know, a lot of things were spoiled for me, like you're going to see a lot of Easter eggs and stuff. Yes. I thought it was, <laughs> it was an Easter egg movie about Easter egg. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's a good way to put it. <laughs> Um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Melissa really enjoyed it as well. She said she had a smile on her face the whole time. Um, just the yeah, battle I scenes. Just, were... I just, I just really enjoyed it. It, um, I'm tr- you know, it wasn't a, I'd say it's like a seven or eight, mm-hmm. you know, very enjoyable, but there's still a few things in there yeah, that are just like the little things. Yeah. That kind of follow the same old tropes, but, um, at the same time, it, it's fine that we did that because of who was in charge. Yeah. Um, so I'm not exactly. mad about that. <laughs> exactly. But uh, also, you went and saw that last night. I went and saw A Quiet Place. What? Which, uh, no spoilers, because that, that's a movie you need to see. I give it a thumbs up. Uh, I, I always tag on Facebook when I'm watching a movie, so you know friends can comment or like, oh, what would you think of it, blah, blah, blah. Let me tell you privately, et cetera, et cetera. That's kind of like my thing. But anyway, uh, so I get out of the movie, like five people are like, oh, what would you think of it? I'm like, you know, just thumbs up. Just, just go see it. Can't say anything, but I will say this. If you want to go see A Quiet Place, obviously based on the title of the movie, there are some very quiet, like no sound parts, like very like, you know, just light sounds, atmosphere, very atmospheric. It works. This hmm. like uh, we kind of went and saw this on a whim, just like oh, it looks good, you know. You know, it's a it's horror. And I was reading some very positive things about it. So we let's, let's just go see it. We might as well. Uh, before the baby comes, and we got to worry about getting babysitters to go see anything and all that <laughs> kind of fun bullshit. But anyway, very good. I really liked it. The uh, 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 Krasinski actually directed it as well. Uh, I have some nitpicks with the film, but honestly, they, those nitpicks only stood out to me because they did a very good job of explaining everything in it. Hmm. To where when they like, for example, here's something. That you know, I'm thinking about why I'm watching because they're telling you how they're they're going about their lives. They have power, so either they have to have a generator, which would make a shit ton of noise, of course, or the power stations never went down. The power stations are still up, but power stations would make a lot of noise. Yeah. So they don't mention anything, but that you know, I give it that. You know, movies you can always have one or two take gives or uh, freebies, so to speak. You know, so it's when it comes to this film, it's mainly just. Because they do, again, they do such a good job of like, this is why we have to be quiet. This is how sensitive these creatures are, et cetera, et cetera. To when something where you have a question happens and they don't explain it, it sticks out more. So, I mean, do the, do the things ever attack inanimate objects? You have to see the movie. Yeah, but yes. I mean, it's sound. It's, it's, it's so all about sound. So the power station would be destroyed. Yes, they would. You'll see it. I mean, right. Again, I, I recommend this movie, but... Yeah, it comes with a cavat. I would recommend seeing it not this weekend, not opening weekend when it's crowded and you hear. <laughs> <laughs> because, again, there are extended moments of silence. Right. To where, like, it's very quiet. And that ad, that is what I was. T- there were so many moments where, like, you know, I'd like, I'd be, well, I'm clenching my, my I'm clenching my hands. Yeah. Like it. Ha- 
Uh, I was actually worried going into it because I knew they had some jump scares. Of course. And then I was like, hmm. I'm just thinking like, Autumn, just so you know, they have a lot of jump scares in this. So don't give birth in the middle <laughs> of this movie. Don't like yeah. pop her out. Because I was a premature baby. We're like kind of that month out range. So, I mean, yeah. it's, it's highly possible. Sure. You know, nothing's... Come out late May, baby. I need all the free time I can get to you. You come, sweet baby Violet. But anyway, uh, I'd recommend it going to see it when it's not so crowded. Go go during a weekday next week, week after that, to where you know you might be only have a few people in the theater, so you don't have all that in excuse me inescapable noise that you're gonna have in a movie theater. Right. Because when the movie started, there were three little kids whose parents thought this would be a great movie for them to babysit oh my them with. God. And then uh, the lady said next to her was a teacher, and like we. Basically, I'm like, twice in the first five minutes, I'm like, shh. And they quiet, and they start, shh. You know, just, and then she, like, in the next time, she's like, I got it. And like, she's like, hey, guys, we all quiet down, please. Everybody try to like, and then, then they were quiet. And then middle of the movie, their, their mom comes and gets them and takes them out in the middle of the movie. So, but anyway, you know, little things like that. But then the, the nice lady next to me, they pull out a flask, and it's like, <laughs> it, it, it became funny because, like, you know, she's there in school, they're like, <laughs> but they, they were mindful of it to where they waited till the sound kicked up. <laughs> but then they pulled out, there's a California pizza kitchen across the street from this movie theater. Uh-huh. So then they pull out the box of the pizza and I look oh, over wow. and it was thin crust. <laughs> so, uh, <crispy>. <laughs> <laughs> but they were smart enough. Like, okay, they put it, they put their things away. But I mean, seriously, that's how, that's like, how quiet when, it is when it gets quiet. I mean, you can hear a pin drop. Like, yeah, they're uh, probably just mute, or, you know, in the editing. Yeah, and there, there's just... a deaf character. This, this is shown in the first five seconds. One of the kids is deaf mm-hmm. and played by an actual deaf actress who did phenomenal. Everybody, this is a great film. Like, uh, you know, we joked before going in, like, we, we expected to see the cuts of Jim uh, from The Office, like, <laughs> cut over and, like, you know, he gives a look to the camera because, you know, let's face it. I mean, that's, you think, you think of Jim Krasinski, you don't think of been uh, 13 hours. Excuse me, sorry. <laughs> see? <laughs> see? You know, you think of The Office, bar none. But uh, he did great uh, directing-wise. Little rough around the edges, but a great, a good job. Good debut. I think uh, not, not he did really a good a job. Debut, but <laughs> I mean, in terms of feature film, sure. I don't know that the that Hollers is one of those that might have been like That's directed a video. But this is a theatrical film. Yeah. Big. This is big budget. Well, that's got people. I imagine on it. big budget. But uh, my only, my biggest complaint with it is that they do the creatures obviously react to sound, so they show a couple, several close-ups of their ear, like their inner mechanism, like hearing sound. It's CG. Yeah. It, they should have gone practical for it. It would have added to it so much. But again, my the, with a quiet place, it's just nitpicks. Go see it. It's it's a great, it's a great PG thirteen horror movie. And that's, you know, that was kind of my thing, too. Oh, it's PG-13. How much can they really do? They do a good bit. with They work the rating well. With a, a, I'll give Krasinski this, like a John Carpenter handling of material. Because this has as much blood as Halloween does. Or has more blood than Halloween. Because it's, it's handled well with the direction. Hmm. And there's some great, great tension. Great moments of suspense. Uh... Again, just don't go see it this weekend when there's going to be a loud crowd. <laughs> but it's it's really good. I was surprised at how good it was. So, uh, oh, and then what else? Oh, I also saw All the Money in the World. It's worth a watch. Uh, All the Money in the, the World. The one that Spacey was taken out of from Ridley Scott. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then I watched the trailer for it where it showed the Kevin Spacey footage. Like, thank. It was actually a blessing because Christopher Plummer deserved his supporting Oscar nomination in it. 
he was great. Uh, again, not a Marky Mark fan, but uh, he wasn't bad in it. But uh, overall, it was a good movie. It was interesting. Then we went to YouTube and watched The Real Story, mm. one of the little documentaries. So mm. uh, that kind of catches up on Back to the Future, at least. So the worst films of 1987. I don't have dates for them, Jesse, but there were so many bad films this year, like ones that deserve to be mentioned, that I actually have a top three for the worst films of 1987. And uh, let's see, <laughs> worst songs of 1987. I'll just play some randomly. Like, there you go. <laughs> let's see what comes up. Really? Hmm. I don't even know what this one is. What is this? That's a. Uh, oh wait, oh, never mind. Yeah, changes. Changes. Yeah, yeah never mind. And once it gets to that familiar part, I just expect. I mean, that could just be that. <laughs> yeah. And I see no changes. This is not earlier, as a matter of fact. But anyway, number three, and very relevant today, Leonard Part 6, starring everybody's former favorite sitcom dad, Bill Cosby. Mm. Yeah, uh, I haven't seen this movie in a long time, but I did rent it several times as a kid because it was so silly and it was just funny to me as a child. But uh, I'm 99% sure. Oh, they say that's one of the worst songs. I actually like that song. from (laughs) Europe. You know, when you hear Europe, you think of the final countdown but carry i like this song <laughs> carry it's a it's it's, it's you know why because it's on monster ballads that's why i like ah, it <laughs> it's one of those guilty pleasure songs. exactly exactly it's not no it's not the final countdown don't get me wrong but it's it's entertaining but anyway uh moving on down number two now the next two have been covered on the podcast and i'm pretty sure i did state on the number one episode the, the movie that, that is number one, the worst film of 87, that it is, in fact, the worst film we ever covered on the podcast, because we did cover this one as well, which is Jaws the Revenge, an absolutely ridiculous movie on all fronts, although the chi- the kid in me loved it because it was Jaws, as we talked about on that episode, but when you watch it today, it's just like, still better than The Shallows or 47 Meters <laughs> Down to me, because at least it's in the Jaws franchise. I actually got through that one. There you go. But uh, yeah, Jaws Revenge, but number one. There was a movie that we covered not too long ago that I truly hated watching, and I think I was pretty repetitive about mentioning it on the podcast, that it was, in fact, the worst film we'd ever done on the podcast, and that I would rather watch Xanadu twice than watch uh, this film, which came out in 1987, which is, in fact, not just the worst film of 87, might a strong contender for the worst film of, 19, of the 1980s, Garbage Pail Kids, the movie. And you were probably listening to Kenny G's Songbird. My mom definitely that. was, because my mom loved Kenny G. <laughs> I, don't, I don't get it, but sure, whatever. <laughs> Here we go. The one thing, I'll tell you what, the, the, the first image that comes to mind is two silhouettes <laughs> at night during a love scene in Lethal Weapon or some other 80s <laughs> drama. Like, this is the music that you play when people are about to do it in the shadows. <laughs> Perfectly lit by Dean Cundy, uh, great DP. Man. Uh, God. Oh, sorry, I had to wake myself up there. But yeah, Garbage Hill Kids is the, not just the worst film of 87, but quite possibly the worst film of the 80s, which gives me a great idea that once we finish all these, to do just a one ep- one-off episode of the worst films. The worst. Yeah. But spoiler alert, Garbage Hill Kids number one. <laughs> Quite possibly It's going to be in the top three I mean what could be worse than this Now granted I will not watch every single movie made in the 80s Right But in terms of the ones that we will watch 
Worst ones you've seen. We'll do some research. Send us some suggestions. And I know Deadly Prey isn't one of the worst. Neither is Hard Ticket to Hawaii. You have, remember, I've said worst, not best. <laughs> so, but anyway, uh, before we move on to some of the awards, honorable mentions. As I mentioned, as I said before, '87 was a fucking amazing year. Uh, argu- arguably better than '86. And here's, you know, I just mentioned top ten, but let's here's some of them. It's a paragraph. It's more than a paragraph. Full Metal Jacket, Inner Space, Lost Boys, Masters of the Universe, Dirty Dancing, one of the best episodes of the podcast, if I might, I might add. Uh, Hellraiser, House 2, 3 O'Clock High, Prince of Darkness, speaking of John Carpenter, The Hidden, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, Overboard, Good Morning Vietnam, Fatal Attraction, Three Men and a Baby, Moonstruck, Raising Arizona, uh, Adventures in Babysitting, Baby Boom, Police Academy 4, Creep Show 2, The Untouchables, Living Daylights, Witches of Eastwick, Superman 4, arguable, uh, but still enjoyable as a kid, and La Bamba. So, 87 was a pretty damn good year, as a, and it was much more spread out than 86. So, as a whole, as of now, I'd give the edge to 87, in terms of just quantity. Your winner, 1987. <laughs> well, 88 and 80, so got 88, two more years to go, we'll see. They're the next it, challengers. Yeah. A new challenger has entered the <laughs> arena. But uh, anyway, the Academy Awards for 87, uh, Best Picture went to The Last Emperor. Uh, Best Director went to Bernardo Bertolucci for The Last Emperor. Best Actor went to Michael Douglas for Wall Street. Uh, Every time I hear the name, anytime somebody references Wall Street, I don't think of Wall Street. I think of Hot Shots Part 2, where uh, Charlie Sheen's on the boat, Martin Sheen's on the boat referencing Apocalypse Now, and then their boats pass. And they both stand up, I loved you in Wall Street. So anytime I see (laughs) Wall Street, I think of Hot Shots Part 2. Cher won Best Actress for Moonstruck. Snap out of it! Uh, supporting actor went to Sean Connery for The Untouchables. Uh, actress went to Olympia Dukakis for Moonstruck. Best original song, no surprise, in the year of Dirty Dancing, it went to... Mm. I had the time of mm. my life. Yeah, a staple in weddings and usually karaoke parties, too. Not ours, thankfully. Right. Although, is that really Thankfully. Or is that an injustice that must be remedied at the next year's <laughs> Halloween party? I don't know. Best makeup, no stranger, went to Rick Baker for Harry and the Hendersons. Uh, best visual effects would go to Interspace. Hmm. Uh, and again, the only for visual effects, the only other nominee was Predator, which let's, we have to differentiate the uh, visual effects from makeup. The Predator makeup, I would give it that. I would have given that Oscar to Sam Winston over Rick Baker for Harry and the Hendersons. Harry expressive and every and you know he brought a, Rick Baker brought a Bigfoot to life. However, Stan Winston believably brought an alien creature that was more unique than anything. One of the mo- most unique ones we've seen ever to life. And to me, that would I would have given the Oscar to uh, the late great Stan Winston. And as always, the eighth annual Razzie Awards Worst Picture, my number three, Leonard Part Six. Worst Director was a tie for Norman Mailer for Tough Guys Don't Dance and Elaine May for Ishtar. No clue of those. Bill Cosby took home an award for Worst Actor for <laughs> Leonard Part Six. It, should, it is worth noting, however, he did beat out number two, Bruce the Shark for Jaws 4. Mm. I would Come love on, Bruce, Bruce the Shark to one just for the acceptance speech. <laughs> just play the roar from Part 4. And Worst Actress for two years in a row. At that point, the very lovely Madonna for Who's That Girl? Uh, Garbage Pro Kids was nominated for Worst New Star. It lost to the kid from Over the Top. And Worst Visual Effects, it won, which, I mean, I'm sorry, it was also nominated for that, but it lost to Jaws 4, which as bad as Jaws 4 was, I mean, at least it was practical effects. Yeah. 
I mean, Garbage Pail Kids, I would say, was worse just because it looked shittier. Yeah. But the shark did look shitty in Jaws 4. Let's not, mm. let's not beat around the bush. Uh, the highest grossing films for 87, number one. Surprisingly, I thought with the top ten that I read, I would have expected one of those to, oh, it had to be. One of those had to be like the top one. Nah, yeah. nah, bro. Three Men and a Baby. The highest grossing film for 1987. Disney produced uh, $167.7 million. Uh, number two, Fatal Attraction, $156 million. Number three, f- former number one uh, in 84, I think. Uh, Beverly Hills Cop 2 at $153 million. Good Morning Vietnam. This shocked me. I didn't realize it, it was that big of a hit. Right. Great movie. Don't get me wrong, but... Fourth highest grossing film of the year. Uh, another Disney-produced film, by the way. Uh, 123.9. Moonstruck, number five, uh, at 80 million. Untouchables, 76 million. Number seven, The Secret of My Success, at 66 million. Stakeout, number eight, at 65 million, also produced by Disney. And the only film of my top ten to even be one of the top mm. ten grossing was Lethal Weapon, with 65.2. Uh, these are all domestic, by the way. And Witches of Eastwick, rounding up the top ten, with 63.7. Of those top ten, how many have you reviewed, though? Just Lethal Weapon. Wow. So No, we did Three Men and a Baby. Yeah. We and, did. And uh, what was number two? Fatal Attraction. Oh, didn't do that. Haven't done that yet. So, a lot of good ones that there's, year. There's still something out there. For sure, for <laughs> sure. Uh, moving on to music. Record of the year. Now, this I'm pretty sure when we did 86, this was the record of the year also. Uh, Paul Simon won again, I think, for Graceland? <laughs> that's at least that's what Wikipedia said. And I know it's different because the album of the year, rightfully so, went to Brian Eno and Daniel Lenoir, the producers, and you two for the Joshua Tree. Uh, song of the year went to uh, Barry Mann, Cynthia Wheel, and James Horner. Rest in peace. The songwriters for Somewhere Out There from an American Tale, which was performed by Linda Ronstadt and James Ingram. Uh, great. I, th- I think you have to look up the year ahead. But see, that's what I did. That's because it gave me. On Wikipedia, at least, that's where I got it, because it gave me the differential stuff with uh, Album of the Year and all the rest. Unless, again, Wikipedia, it's not 100% correct. But yeah. see, see, look, yeah, it's all, go back up, because there's all my other information. Yeah, see, Record of the Year, Graceland. Album of the mm-hmm. Year, Joshua Tree. Yeah, and I looked up, well, this is 30th, uh, 1988. Okay, so... Uh, Held in 88 for accomplishments for 87. Right. And go to the year before that, just to see. Yeah. Because I'm pretty sure Graceland was... Yeah. Oh, maybe it was... Oh, no. It was the record the, of the... The Grammy Award. Uh, so, did he just win twice? <laughs> yeah, he did. He literally... Yeah, see? Album... No. Well, okay. Record of the year in uh, 87. Album of the year in 86. Like, that's not fucking confusing. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, best new artist? Jody Watley. Mm. You recognize this? You remember this? I don't. <laughs> Look her up just so we can uh, at least give her. She won Best New Artist. What was her one hit that she had? How do you spell that? Uh, I'm sorry, A T L E Y. Yeah. Well, that's. Uh, is that accurate? Yeah, I guess. I get, yeah, looking for. I don't. I don't recognize her at all. At all. Oh, I share a birthday with her. <laughs> Day, not year. Thankfully, she was born in '59. Uh, twenty most, twenty-first most successful dance artist of all time. Say, like, what was her hit? Nominated like, for three Grammys. Did it say for which song? No, of course not. Can't be that easy. Who knows? <laughs> I don't. Affection. I, I have no knowledge of this person. 
Why don't you just tell us who it is? Yes, let us know. <laughs> but uh, the biggest singles of the year. Number three was the late, great Whitney Houston with a song we all know, I Want to Dance with Somebody. Yep. Uh, number two, a song that is more popular today in the past 10 years than it was when it came out. Rick Rolled himself. Uh, Rick Astley, we're never going to give you up. And the biggest single for 1987. And I had this album. I had this cassette because of this song, La Bamba by Los Lobos. Oh. So a cover was the number one, the biggest single for 1987. Which is number one through August 29th through September 12th. Because La Bamba came out. Um, <laughs> yep. And that repo- that made the song more famous than when the late, arguably great, Richie Valens recorded it back in the 50s. So, yeah. So yeah, if more on La Bamba, listen to that episode. I Personally, that's probably one of my favorite episodes that we did because of the historical research that I did for it. Not mm-hmm. toot my own horn, but uh, toot toot. But it was a good story because <laughs> I, I personally learned so much about it. Yeah. Especially Buddy Holly, which, not to spoil go listen to that episode. I think yeah, it's a great listen. episode, personally. Well, that does it for 1987. What? Two more years left. So, yeah, uh, next week is Friday. There's a Friday the 13th on Friday, so the next episode won't be out in time for it. But after you celebrate your Friday the 13th, thir- on Friday the 13th, you should, li- mm-hmm. you should watch Friday the 13th Part 4, the final chapter. Great marketing there, guys. <laughs> Not even halfway through your series, and it's the final chapter. But yeah, uh, many considered by many to be the best. Yeah. Uh, and one of the better Jasons uh, to a lot of people as well. But more on that next week when we talk about Friday the 13th, the final chapter. So be safe this Friday the 13th, especially if you're in a camp in New Jersey because it is warm outside. I'm not sure if kids are in camp yet in New Jersey or not. <laughs> Probably not. But if you are, be safe. Don't have, don't have unprotected sex. If there's a legend about some old crazy woman or guy that killed people in the woods, just don't go. Unless you're that crazy person. Which, hey, that's your life. I'm not telling you what to do. Don't forget your hockey mask. <laughs> cool. Yeah. yeah. In part four, you would have your hockey mask. Yeah. Or so, don't forget your bag. <laughs> Potato sack. <laughs> Potato sack. That's what it is. But anyway, everybody. Oh, I'm sorry. I would be remiss. We did get two emails. Sorry. <clears throat> Excuse me. The first is from Michael Borchers, which I believe he uh, is the one who suggested the night of the comet. And uh, he says, thank you. Thank you for going, uh, for doing my request. I guess I should apologize. Sorry you didn't like the movie. <laughs> when I read this, I felt so bad. I was like, no, I want to just like virtually reach out and tap you on the back, Mike. Like, no, just because I wasn't glowing about it doesn't mean it's a bad movie. Yeah. You know, by any stretch of imagination. Uh, but he goes on to say, this was a film I saw back in 84 on cable. Like something from your childhood memory stick with you. Uh, it makes for a fun little flashback for me. Anyway, I'll try to think of a better film. I unfortunately spent a lot of time in front of the TV through the 80s. We all did, bro. Every one of us. That's why, like, you know, uh, you, you happen to watch a whole bunch of night. You know, you might have seen this movie a lot, but my experience was, you know, a different movie. Mm-hmm. You know, that, 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 that's the great thing about this. And, like, when people send in suggestions like you did, which thank you for it. Because, again, I saw it once and then watched it again. Just not my cup of tea. Yeah. Like we talked about on the episode. I think it, it could have gone further with the story. But again, I don't have that childhood connection to it. And that is a super, super powerful thing when you, when you revisit these movies as we do here on the podcast. Because, uh, you know, it's real, <laughs> that last picture <laughs> where she's holding the phone, just, it looks like the antenna's kind of the back of her head. Like when I, when <laughs> I first, like, what her. the fuck? <laughs> but uh, anyway, he says, uh, okay, thanks for pronouncing my last name right. It's been butchered since I was little, class of 93. Thanks again. Hey, class of 98 here, bro. Uh, so you're older than me, Mike. <laughs> so you spent a you 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 know you actually had more uh, developed memories, especially of this film, than I ever would have. All right. So you know, I mean, and again, you if just because 
you know, I didn't, I didn't care for it. It's not one of my favorites. I prefer Night of the Creeps as opposed to Night of the Comet because I watched that a lot when I was a kid because the USA Up All Night and the lovely, curvaceous Rhonda Shear. But, you know, we, you know I say I, I spit how much I hate how ridiculous certain movies are, you know, but th- I, I, there's some good friends of mine, friends of the podcast who like Rob Zombie's Halloween. Yeah, yeah. I don't. That doesn't mean we have to, you know, you don't need, no need to apologize. N- neither of us need to apologize to each other. <laughs> the fun and the enjoyment is in discussing it and talking about it. Yeah. So as long as you got something out of the podcast and like, I'm sorry if I didn't like it, you know, I, I you know, Hey, but Hey, that's, that's what makes for a fun time. Mm-hmm. And I, I hope you were screaming at me as you're listening, like, Oh, come on. That's not true. That part's great. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. That makes for an entertaining time for both of us. Yep. So, you know, never, any, any, this goes with anything. If you, if you hated ready player one, don't be ashamed of that. That's your, that's your that's your opinion. That's it's. It, we, I think we said a few times on the podcast. It's so much more fun to talk with somebody who disagrees with you mm-hmm. than somebody who agrees with you. I agree with then, that. Fuck you, Jesse. <laughs> I disagree with my own statement. <laughs> but uh, no need to apologize, Mike. Just I'll, hey, just keep listening. Send us more suggestions. Uh, by all stre- you know, again, it, it doesn't matter what I say. I'm yeah. giving my opinion. Yeah. Uh, Jesse, well, what, was something we disagreed about last week. Some movie we both watched. I agree with you. (laughs) Stop it. (laughs) You're ruining my analogy. But anyway, uh, yeah, Mike, thanks for listening. Thanks for writing. Send us some more. AsiaVisit.gmail.com. Any movie that you grew up with, I want to know about because there's always, everybody has those movies that you might remember just one scene of. And until you actually watch it again, holy shit, I remember this. Yeah. You know, there's all, everybody has it. Or there's one movie that you saw as a kid and you can, you've never seen it since. And you're, you're always like every now and then you do a Google search for like, uh, this, this, or this trying to find what was that movie that I saw as a kid that I can't think of for the life of me. The one with the high school and, uh, all the shit happening in it. What was that? Oh shit. Uh, damn. <laughs> Let me give you a laundry list. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was, it was the one that sparked for me whenever we were finally reviewing it. Um, this was probably like a couple months ago. Three o'clock high. No, 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 no. Heather's? No, like, I mean, crazy shit was happening. In, um, the science. Oh, uh, my science project. Yeah, my science yeah. project. Yeah that, yeah, that was the one that came back for me. Yeah, and that's what's great. Like, you, you recommend a film that we haven't seen. Oh, let's do it. Let's you know, do a request month. We'll do it. Holy shit, I did remember this movie. Right. You know, exactly. that doesn't happen all the time. It's like, wow, I did see this hundreds of times when but I was I mean, young. Th- yeah. But I didn't remember it. But that's a fun thing. You know, when, when anybody recommends a movie on the podcast, we're going to cover it eventually. Yeah. You know? We're going to get to it. And, you know, the ones, the requests that we have left to do, I want to say most of them are ones I've never even seen either. And you might even discover one you like, like Ex- 3 o'clock. High. Exactly. I never saw it. Yeah. Never saw it. And I, I fucking love it. I wish I would have seen it back then. Yeah. Because I would have said, I've seen the movie 10 times. Yeah. You know, and Autumn's like, why'd you like that movie? It's so stupid. Like, fuck you, bitch. I liked it. Yeah. <laughs> of course, again, me and my wife have such a relationship where we call each other names like yeah. that. And it, it's understood that we're just picking because we're not being serious. But anyway... Another, uh, one more email to round out this episode from our good friend, UK Pete. He says, welcome back. Thank you very much, Pete. Gents, nice to hear you via the latest and greatest episode of 80s Revisited. You are quite correct. Every Monday, I turn on my bangers and mash. <laughs> Actually, an iPhone 6, though soon to be an 8. Congratulations. I recently upgraded as well, and that camera is, for a phone right. camera, it's amazing. Like, having a, uh, expecting a kid on the way, like, might as well upgrade the phone so I have a good camera. You know, because <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be it. taking, I don't want to be that person, but I, in case I am, I'll have a good camera. I'll have the best possible go. phone camera. But anyway, uh, ready to listen to the latest episode for the last few weeks? Nothing. So it's nice to have you back. You're one of three podcasts I actually subscribe to and listen to every episode. 
I hope all remains good with you so you can keep taking trips back to the greatest decade ever. Take care and looking forward to a more palatable Monday morning, Pete. P.S. I can confirm with Lee that the U.K. does indeed grind to a halt at the slightest snowfall. <laughs> so uh, I was thinking about this earlier too, Pete. First of all, thanks. Thank you. You know, it, again, we're not we're not sitting here balling with money, like about rolling up on our Rolls Royces or jumping on our private jets to go talk to anything. We're just two guys talking into a microphone. Yep. And the fact yep. that y'all listen is just awesome to us. Yep. Absolutely. It, and, you know, the fact that I've made friends, like friends I've never met, hopefully will meet. Yeah. In person. That, just through this, just through spewing bullshit about movies that I like. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's crazy. But it's awesome at the same time. You know, we va- I value that. That's worth more to me. No, and it's let's be honest. I think worth more than like a million bucks. No shit. <laughs> no, that's not, you know, I, I respect anybody for selling out for a million bucks. But, you know, you know what I'm saying? But, I mean... That, I, that that means so much to hear you say that. That like, oh, just hearing this simple podcast that mm-hmm. we do of me just talking and Jesse agreeing with me all the time now. Yeah, just brightens your Monday morning. That's all. I think that's awesome, and that that means so much. That may, you're the reason I get out of bed every day, Lee. Uh, Pete, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh mean, shit! I just called Pete my Lee's name. He's gonna hate me now. It's like calling your you know during sex. Like, oh yeah. Awesome, April. My uh, name's the, June. Oh, it's fun. I said June. June. I meant May. I mean, <laughs> it's all these all these months. I didn't. I'm. I'm just. Uh. Yeah. So always like, if you're gonna call a girl out by a wrong name or a man, whatever, use a month or something so you can play it off. Yeah. Just say Maybe. baby. Yeah. Yeah. Keep a it bitch. simple. <laughs> Depending or whatever your safe word is. Whatever you say. Whatever you're into. Banana. But anyway, Pete, I was also thinking you and Lee need to get together and decide which one of y'all is going to be the president and the vice president of the <laughs> 80s Revisited UK fan club. Yeah. Uh, just so we know who to like, you know, direct any questions to or which one of y'all is going to plan our itinerary when we do the UK <laughs> tour, you know, yeah. live from Loch Ness. I need someone to set stuff. up those pub dates. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and in fact, it's funny, too, because uh, we have a local place called The Londoner, which is English themed. And I, if memory serves me right, uh, an actual Englishman did... Open create, it? open it, yeah. yeah. You know, so it is authentic in some regard, but they serve bangers and mash and real fish and chips. And we ate there for lunch, and I was just like, yep. And it, and it made me think of our friends in the UK, Pete and Lee. So, and all the <laughs> others that don't don't listen, because we're, right. I mean, it still shocks me that you know, I'm a, again appreciate y'all writing to us, but it's just like wow, like if I ever go to the UK again, like. I have people I can look up, like <laughs> yeah. say, "Hey, like we're visiting the UK again. Like where you at?" Or, you know, that's just crazy. Do and because, an episode <laughs> because of this podcast. Yeah, it, you know, something like that, and that's just crazy. So if there's two, there's got to be three. And if there's three, there's got to be four. Yeah. So let us know. You know, just send us an email again. Eighties or visit at gmail.com. I checked Twitter today for the first time in like three months, and responded <laughs> to someone who actually. Hold on. I, I, I while we're recording, let me pull up Twitter so I can. Oh, not Ticketmaster. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> What's the t- oh? It's the bird. Okay, yeah. I just saw the T right. and the blue T and hit light it. blue. Uh, let me see where uh, again. Sorry, I'm like I'm like I'm like my dad on Facebook when it comes to Twitter. Uh, Darren, come on, Twitter. Fucking why is it? Oh, sorry. <laughs> see, this this is why I don't get on Twitter. <laughs> oh, we responded to it. Shit. Uh, how do I get to the original tweet? See, this is so complicated. Okay, here we go. Darren uh, at Darren Max Dog. Hope. You don't mind? I give out your Twitter <laughs> handle. Well, everyone looks for followers on there, so it's uh, fine. But he says, love the show. Keep up the good work, fellas. Any chance of an Upworld episode in the future? Uh, and I retweeted, and I just said, uh, never heard of that one, but we'll do it. But he said, also known by this name. Say Upworld? Yeah. Didn't come but up he, on he here. Sent a, oh, a, a gnome named Norm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm looking at these pictures. 
It looks like they took oh. the puppet from the Dark Crystal and Anthony Michael Hall. Never seen it, but we'll Upworld. This is intrig it it looks right up my alley. <laughs> a Los Angeles police detective partners up with a talking gnome in order to bring down the head of a crime ring. I bet the writer for Bright watched this and like, this needs to be R-rated. Oh my, oh my. <laughs> it's just funny that the gnome is like, you know, not in a, you know, he's like, the gnome's a cop, I guess, and it's still what? wearing his rags. I don't know. What? I am, I am intrigued. Oh I am intrigued, gosh. Darren. So this will be coming up as soon as I can work it in. As soon as I can find a copy. I'm sure it's on YouTube. When's that usual. worst of 80s thing? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you got to get it in before that. But yeah. Oh, Jerry Orbach's in it. Speaking of Dirty Dancing, <laughs> rest in peace. Wow. Oh, and Robert Zadar, B-movie king, the chin that can put Bruce Campbell and Claudia Christian. My Pretty gosh. decent cast. <laughs> wow. I got to watch it. As soon as I can find it, work it in the podcast, we will do it. But that does it for us. I got to get home and get some food for a pregnant wife. So oh, y'all know. That's some it. people know how that goes. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> you got to do it to just keep your life happy. Happy wife, happy life, especially when she's pregnant. So I'm going to roll out. But until next time, stay safe. Be brave. <laughs> can't say that. I can't say that. I'll be, I'll be soon. Uh, be 80s. Stay retro. We'll see you on the next podcast. I'm Trey Harris. Jesse Sedgley. Cowabunga. Don't sue me, Cowabunga. Facebook.com slash awesome pods and follow us on Twitter at awesome pods.